It feels like for the first time in a while, we don't have an Orioles win to recap. But don't worry. It's not because they lost. It's because they got another day off. So instead, let's look a little bit forward for the Orioles. Forward to the draft coming up on Sunday. And forward to the trade deadline, which is just a couple weeks away. We maybe thought the O's were going to be sellers. Could they be buyers and go after some controllable pitching? Maybe make a deal with the Marlins. We'll talk about all that with Arm Layton as he joins the pod once again. Coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Friday, July 15th, 2022. And welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, with the Orioles being off once again on Thursday, still maintaining their 10-game winning streak, we're going to look forward as we're going to talk about, could this Orioles team maybe not be full-out buyers or full-out sellers at the trade deadline, which comes up on August 2nd? But could they play somewhere in between to, yeah, maybe trade off a couple of major leaguers, but also add some big league talent that are not just rentals and could help them down the line for a couple years? We'll also get into some specific trade scenarios, maybe with the Marlins, and also talk a little bit about the draft, which comes up on Sunday night. Orioles will be picking four times on Sunday as well. And to help us talk through all of that, we are joined once again by Arm Layton. He is, of course, the co-founder of Just Baseball Media, and uh, they do just that, cover all things baseball, and Arm is uh, big in the prospect world as well. Of course, was the former host of Locked on Marlins and Locked on MLB Prospects here on the network. And Arm, first of all, welcome back into the pod. Thanks for having me, man. It's A lot has changed uh, since I've been on last time. A lot of more, I would just say, positive vibes around the Orioles. So I'm excited to be uh, on the show in these circumstances. Yeah, you're in here uh, with a 10-game winning streak. And don't worry, when people listen to this Friday morning, they'll still be on their 10-game winning streak. And, uh, you know, we wanted to to start to look forward because the big talk in Birdland this week, frankly, a lot of it's been what to do with Trey Mancini. And I addressed that on Thursday's episode, so we'll probably stay away from that. And whether that happens or not, I made the point I don't think the O's should trade Mancini at this point, even if he's going to be gone in free agency. Even if they were to make that move, I think the O's have shown us both on and off the field. That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be full-blown sellers at the trade deadline. They could still make other moves to add to the major league team. And I saw you were tweeting about this a bit yesterday as well. And where I really wanted to start is with the Marlins, because that is your team, the team you cover most closely. And and we've had you on here to talk about potential Marlins-Orioles trades multiple times. So, you know, John Morosi did talk in his, you know, kind of trade deadline roundtable at MLB.com earlier this week about, you know, the Orioles checking in on Pablo Lopez, a starter who has been great this year, is controlled through 2024, and a guy who would fit perfectly with this Orioles team. So the question to you is, the Marlins, who are similar record to the Orioles, have a lot of pitching, having some offensive struggles, would they move Pablo Lopez for the right price? I think they would for the right price because you've got the Sandy Alcantara's of the world and, and even with the struggles of Trevor Rogers, I don't think they're parting with him. But where Pablo's at, I could see them kind of making a move like this. And, and they're a team, an organization that likes to draw from the Rays a lot. And 
We see the Rays do similar things of trading starting pitchers at the peak of their value with maybe a year or two of control left when they are in a good spot and have other pitchers. And you now we're seeing Braxton Garrett emerge and Max Meyer not too far away. And they might be able to justify kind of making that move. And I would, I know Marlins fans would be upset and it's hard to, to brand that as a, a move that isn't, you know, similar to the teardowns in the past. So that's why I think it's going to be interesting. You talk about a Santander or a big league bat. I'd almost wonder if that, that would have to be what's coming back in return here. That or the Marlins would have to have one of the more catastrophic collapses over the next 10 to, to 12 games or so before the deadline, which is very possible because guys are dropping like flies. Uh, Miguel Rojas even lost two teeth today. Like it, It's just been a disaster uh, for them. They're treading water. I, I could see them potentially looking to trade Pablo, and, and it just continues to be a rumor that, that seems to fester. Yeah, and he would – bring a haul I would think again through 2024 you know he's making just over two million this year I think and and for the Orioles you know, that fits right into what they're trying to do because I've talked on this podcast before that you know I think the O's could sign a bat or two this offseason but I think the way they're going to acquire starting pitching over the next couple of years is you know they're going to hope that Grayson Rodriguez and DL Hall and potentially a guy like Tyler Wells are going to be in their rotation for a while but they're going to use all of these bats in their system to go get a, a starting pitcher via trade. And I think that's a fine way to do it. You want to draft and develop hitters. Some of them make your big league roster. The other ones you trade for pitching. I think that's a pretty solid plan. And I think the O's could be looking to do that as soon as this deadline. So you mentioned Anthony Santander. It's a guy who we've brought up in potential Marlins and Orioles trades before. He would certainly fit right in and help the Marlins offense in the outfield immediately. He's also... You you know, not until after 2024, so they would have him in the outfield two and a half years. My question to you, because, you know, you are pretty knowledgeable in prospects, in, in what a system looks like, and, you know, I've got a good handle on what the O's system looks like as well, top five system in baseball. You know, if you put Santander and Lopez on the table, Pablo Lopez is a more valuable player right now than, than Santander is. What do you think it would take from the Orioles on top of Santander to get Kim Ang looking at that deal and and really, really thinking about pulling the trigger? I think, you know, and obviously it's one of those, that's a great question because, of course, I look at the Orioles situation and, it, of course, neither of those pitchers are going. D.L. Hall, Grayson Rodriguez, in no conversation. Gunnar Henderson, Colton Kowser, I think those guys are non-starters. They, you can make a trade without parting with any of those guys. I kind of look beyond that. I, I look at the Marlins situation and, they just need more bats. They need to play the percentages and throw as many irons in the fire because they continue to struggle to develop bats. And I look at maybe like Kyle Stowers. That's somebody that I think would have to be added in there. I don't know if the Orioles are going to blink. I don't know if they're going to let Kyle Stowers be what stops them from getting a controllable young starter. I, I would imagine that something like a Stowers range, I know Mayo is probably more valuable. That might be a little bit too much. It could be one of those where then the Marlins throw in a lower level guy as well, but I'd imagine it's in that next tier. I think Westberg's a little bit too valuable. Uh, it might be a little bit more than Stowers, so maybe in that Mayo range. Is that too much, you think, or is that right around fair? Just because Pablo Lopez is pitching at a really high level. Yeah, that'd be interesting because, you know, I think a, there, there is a lot of rumors right now surrounding Santander. He, he's a valuable player. He's having a career year, and he's, you know, got two and a half years of control left. But the, the interesting part about that is, I think Stowers could fit where if you did Stowers and Santander for Lopez, I think the Marlins would at least think about that and the Orioles would think about that. The yeah. interesting part is the whole plan of trading Santander 
is that Kyle Stowers is ready and is kind of blocked. And now Santander, I think, if he were on the Orioles for the rest of the year versus Stowers on the Orioles for the final three months, I think Santander produces more. Of course. But I think going forward the next two years, I think Stowers is a better hitter down the line than Santander is. So that's kind of the Orioles' plan is, can you know we have Stowers right there to step in? It would be interesting if that's what it took because I think the O's would still really think about making that move because, yeah, maybe you wouldn't have that immediate replacement right away to get Kyle Stowers in there, but you have a Ryan McKenna. If Yusniel Diaz can stay healthy, it gives you a chance to finally put him in the big leagues, and even though he hasn't completely earned it, at least give him a chance to play out there. And then you have you know Colton Kowser in double-A, Heston Kerstad will be in double-A soon, and those couple of guys could fill in next year. So you wouldn't have the super immediate fill-in, but that would be interesting. I would think the way the O's would want to do it is try and throw in two more hitters besides Santander right around the bottom of their top 10. So guys similar to a Joey Ortiz, maybe a Connor Norby, a, a Taron Vavra, a Hudson Haskin type guy who are our double A and triple A guys who, who for the Orioles right now are certainly not in the 2022 plans and are maybe not even in the 2023 plans because of the hitters they're still kind of developing and trying to figure out at the major league level. So I, I wonder if the Orioles' quantity of guys who are kind of fringe top 10 in their system could get it done versus, you know, just a Santander and a Stowers. Yeah, you know, I look at the Marlins situation, and with the pitching that they have now, any move that they make, it's going to try to be with the focus of now and beyond, right? Similar to the Orioles. You're, you have two teams here that are trying to make themselves better now, but they're not going to – neither team is calling on Andrew Benetton. Neither team is calling on rentals because it just doesn't make sense for them. I, I would struggle to to see if they really or struggle to identify with with them adding another guy that's kind of in the same realm as Blade and Burdick, which is solid AAA players, maybe ish and more Blade. So I mean Burdick's probably a little bit below that. I, I think they're gonna want someone that they feel like they can almost plug right into their big league outfield, and that's why I love Stowers as a fit, especially if they're parting with a guy that has years of control and that's cheap. Do you think that the that the Orioles would do with Stowers and uh, San, San, Santander? Because that is something I, I could really see the Marlins getting behind because it helps them now and in the future. I think if I'm Michael Elias, if he could get Kim Ang to throw in Michael Elias's favorite thing in a deal, which is a 17-year-old in the Dominican Summer League that no one's ever heard of, but Michael Elias has been scouting, which he gets in every single deal. If it was whoever that 17-year-old and Pablo Lopez for Stowers and Santander... It would maybe, you know, as I said, it would make that immediacy plan not as good. They would kind of, they would basically call up Diaz and they would probably maybe call up a guy like Robert Newstrom, who's not a top 30 prospect, but has big power in AAA in the outfield. And they would piece those guys together with Ryan McKenna for the rest of the year. But I think Michael Elias would do that move. I think Orioles fans would be taken aback with trading Kyle Stowers because you know, he's kind of the fill-in plan for Santander. And yeah. he he was co-minor league player of the year with Adley Rutschman last year. So it would be tough to do. But if you're going to get a potential ace in your rotation, a, a budding star righty, who's going to be on your team even without offering an extension for two and a half years, like will be in your rotation when you're ready to compete. I think I would do that. It sounds like you would do that. And 
Maybe we just made a deal. Maybe Mike and Kim are, <laughs> are listening here, and maybe we just made a deal. But we'll get back to it with Arm Layton in just a second. Uh, we will continue uh, if you guys like to wildly speculate about trades, as we love to do. But first, got to tell you about Denial.com, because whether you're ready to pop the big or you're just celebrating a Miles moment, BlueNile.com is the place to go. You can find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Here's the best part. Blue Nile has simple online tools that help you choose the diamond size, the shape, the clarity, the setting style. And if you have questions, you don't know what you're looking for, you know, really what you, you should be buying, what price you should be paying, there's jewelry experts available via phone or chat 24-7 to help you find that special gift. So make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On Orioles listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. Just use the code LOCKEDON. That is code LOCKEDON. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. So we're here with Aram Layton from Just Baseball, and we are talking Just Baseball here on this podcast. And, you know, Orioles and Marlins potential trades is, is definitely something I think the O's could look for. And John Morosi, you know, talked about the potential of the Orioles maybe, you know, opening that door on maybe a Pablo Lopez trade. But there are other starters out there who are controllable past this year who the Orioles could go after. And this is more of kind of a big picture question, Aram, is, you know, from specifically the Orioles side of this, like, would you give up some of your higher level position player prospects right now to get a starting pitcher who you'll have through at least 2023? Like, just as a philosophy, would that be something that if you were Mike Elias, you would try to pull off at this year's deadline? Yes and no. I draw the line at, I would say... Right below Grayson Rodriguez, Gunnar Henderson, Colton Kowser, D.L. Hall, right at Jordan Westbrook. I love Jordan Westbrook. I, I saw him out on the Cape. Uh, for one of my first games out there, he hits two home runs, just rocket line drive. I'm just watching this guy play, and I kind of just followed him ever since. So uh, I was hoping that the Marlins would take him you know, in the compensation round in 2020. The O's end up taking him. Great pick. He's obviously progressed really well, but... You look at what the Orioles have. You look at Gunnar Henderson, who is just almost the, the better version of him in a, in a lot of ways from the left side of the, of, of the plate. Westberg's not going to be a guy that stops me from acquiring an impact an impact arm, I think. And that's probably right where I draw the line. I, I love Kowser. I, I love Henderson too much. But I would part with Westberg, Mayo, Kerstad, or Stowers if it makes sense. I'm not just trading them to trade them. But the thing is, the O system's so good, you can you can – package any kind of mix and match of those guys and probably go get almost any pitcher you want yeah for Orioles fans you know most people thought they weren't going to have to deal with this reality until this offseason but the O's have won 10 in a row they're over 500 they're two games out and it's come a little earlier is that you know Orioles fans are 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 locked into prospects more than they've been since they got Adam Jones in the system. They had Matt Wieters in the system. And then right at the end when they had Manny Machado get called up. Like that was probably the last time. That was 10 years ago that yeah. Orioles fans were like this locked in to the system. Because and it's never been this good. You have to understand that just take a, a top 10 for the Orioles right now. You know, you, you look at the a general top 10, you know, starts with a guy like Grayson Rodriguez. And 
ends with guys, you know, from different outlets like Connor Norby or Cesar Prieto or, or, or Mike Bauman, maybe. You know, maybe five of those guys are going to be impact big leaguers for you because some of them won't work out and you're going to trade yeah. some of them to, to, to get good players. So if you look at this list, you know, even with the Orioles top five, in no way am I certain that the, the you know, kind of top five guys you just named off are going to be impact big leaguers for the Orioles. You just don't know. And, you know, you look at the O's right now. Do I want the O's to hold on to Cedric Mullins and Austin Hayes for the long term? Yeah, I don't think that would be a bad idea. That gives you one outfield spot. You've got Kowser, you've got Stowers, you've got Kerstad. It becomes tough to hold on to these guys. And so, you know, I think Orioles fans are maybe starting to have that wheel turn a little bit that like, if they were to trade a Kyle Stowers, maybe here or in the offseason, it would you it would take you back initially. And then when you started to think about it, you would realize, well, Colt Kowser is going to be ready soon. Heston Kerstad's going to be ready soon. It it's almost like a if it's not him, it's him that that's getting dealt. And and that'll be interesting to see because there's other guys like Luis Castillo and, and Frankie Montes. And I, I I can't see the Orioles being in those conversations. They're just a little too high priced for them, probably right now. But it's it's not a great crop of 2023 after 2023 free agent pitchers, kind of after you drop down from those two guys. But at the end of the day, like, you know, I know the Marlins are have been in kind of similar scenarios. They've made yes, more absolutely. interesting trades. Like the, the the Lizardo trade, for example, was more of just uh, you know, they weren't giving up prospects, but it, they were looking for more major league ready talent recently yeah. in trades that than the Orioles have. So how is it kind of gone from that perspective like how do you see a team whether it's the Marlins or the Orioles kind of evaluating because Mike Elias knows he looks at his top 10 he knows not all 10 of these guys are yeah. even going to make it to the big leagues with the Orioles that's the thing that I always it, it, it's very similar to the Marlins and watching Marlins fans go through it and, and you know what it's almost like a coping mechanism when your team stinks to like really follow the prospects and get attached to them and I think that's part of the reason why I ended up getting so into prospects to the degree that I now cover, you know, and, and do prospect analysis and all those things. And look, trust me, I'm always going to be the first to to put value on these players because there are so many talented guys in the minor leagues. But you have to realize, like, to what you're saying, play the percentages, man. And right now, some of these guys will never be more valuable because it'll get, you know, rough from here for some guys. They won't figure it out at the big league level. They'll struggle in AAA, whatever it might be. And you got to cash in, I think, when you have this kind of system. That doesn't mean trade your best prospects. But that means just play the percentages. I always look at all those blockbuster trades and sure you can look at some that work out uh, for the team that traded the big leaguer. But for the most part, the odds are in the favor of the team get acquiring the guaranteed good big leaguer. Almost every single time saw it firsthand with the Miguel Cabrera trade growing up. And I think you got to find a way to piece together a deal. Again, you don't even have to touch your top five here. And you can cash in on some really valuable assets because those assets can depreciate. And I, that's where I'm at on the Orioles. The Marlins kind of missed their spots at certain points to be able to do that. They still did, you know, trade Kyle Nicholas and you know a couple other guys for you know their starting catcher and Jacob Stallings. They did trade Cameron Meisner or Joey Wendell. They did it on a lesser degree, but I, I think the Orioles. You look at what they're doing. It's a no-brainer if if the situation is right. I wouldn't do it just to do it, but I look at the Marlins as a perfect opportunity for the Orioles because they don't have to part with an elite prospect 
not very many other teams are going to want a big leaguer that are trading, you know, controllable pitching. And that's what kind of makes the Marlins an interesting matchup. But I'm a proponent of cashing in on some of your prospects when your big league team's starting to perform a little bit and there's not a direct path to them playing for you. At that point, what are you holding on to them for? Yeah, I mean, you know, in the Stowers-Lopez example, yes, I could see Kyle Stowers hitting 35 home runs in the big leagues. Could totally see it. But what we've seen from Stowers is two games in the majors because Santander is unvaccinated and Stowers got called up in Toronto. We've seen big power numbers and a strikeout rate that's dropping this year, which is a big plus sign for Kyle Stowers. But what we've seen from Pablo Lopez is him dominate major league hitters yes. for all of this year so far. And, you know, this wasn't his first year in the big leagues. He did it, you know, not to this level, obviously, but did it last year. You take, as you said, you take the sure thing over what may be. And this is kind of a bad comparison because the Orioles system, when this trade happened, was nothing like it is now. But it wasn't that long ago that Yuzniel Diaz was the number one prospect in the Orioles yeah. system. He's still in AAA. And as I've talked about a little bit on this pod, there's still a chance he plays Major League Baseball. But I, I, I honestly would say there's no chance he's an impact big leaguer in his career at least with the Orioles. Yeah, maybe, you know, some kind of trade happens. He gets a shot in Baltimore later this year, but he was the number one prospect in the system. You got to go get, and here's the thing. I think the Orioles will spend more in free agency than they have, but their owners are in a legal battle right now. It's going to get messy. They're not going to shell out what the Rangers did. They're not going to go and just say, Here's the, the blank check to Semyon and Seager. Let's rebuild our infield and try and win that way. The Orioles will spend a little more money to get some, you know, maybe an, an actual infielder in the big leagues next year. But the way they're going to have to do this is they've built up this system. You know, the, the best way to look at it, I think, is it is a waste to not trade some of your good prospects for major leaguers. You, you know, the Orioles system, I think, is a fairly is getting deeper and deeper, which has made it better. And you look at their top 30 players, for example, you know, there's guys at the at the bottom part of that top 30, like Carter Baumler, who I think is going to be a big league pitcher. He just, you know, had Tommy John. And so he's kind of at the, the end of a lot of people's top 30s because he had Tommy John. He's barely pitched in pro ball after getting drafted out of high school. There's only 26 spots on, you know, an active roster. So literally, you know, you're not going to get all those guys to the big leagues. So what are you just going to let them fumble away in the minors and then add them to the 40 man and then DFA them eventually when you know you don't have a spot for them trade them continue to replenish your system because now the Orioles finally are signing players internationally and you're drafting well we got a draft coming up in two days it just it doesn't make sense to, to not that's trade my biggest those thing best too. Guys. that's the thing the draft they've got the number one pick man so you trade Stowers or you trade, I mean, I don't even want to trade cows. Or I won't even go there. Let's say you trade Westberg or Stowers. You now add Drew Jones or Jackson Holiday. And I know those guys are way further off, but that's kind of the point now. Now you don't have to worry about the 40-man roster, uh, adding guys you know, to protect them from the Rule 5 and, and figuring out how you're going to continue to get ABs and make sure they don't go stale in AAA. Because you look at the top 10 right now for the Orioles, and if you look at MLB Pipeline's top 10 right now, almost every offensive prospect is in double or triple. And almost every prospect period is in double or triple. So it's almost one of those roster crunches in general that they're going to have to figure out to a degree. And when you're replenishing with so many high-end picks, and the Orioles also acquired the compensation pick from the Marlins as well, you are going to now inject 
several, I think multiple top 100 guys with the way the Orioles can probably navigate this draft, but at least one guy who will be a top 50 dude in the updated top 100 list. That's the other thing. You're replenishing uh, plenty of talent here too. Cash in on the assets. The Padres did it almost too far, so I wouldn't use them as, as a perfect example, but they built up a really good farm and cashed in in spots and acquired some really good players. Probably went a little bit overboard. AJ Preller is like the GM version of J.R. Smith. But th- there's there's a level of where you can like not go that far and strike a balance between the two. And you can cash in and build a really good big league core at this point. I wouldn't have said to do it two years ago because they wouldn't have been knocking on the door of anything. But they're knocking on the door of being competitive. And imagine what a Pablo Lopez does for this team. I mean, it really does change their outlook for the next couple of years. Yeah, well, you mentioned the draft, so wanted to, to get to that quickly with the Orioles picking number one just two days away. But first, got to tell you about betonline.net, your one-stop shop for all of your sports betting needs. Whether it be, you know, you're looking for the latest scores of your favorite Major League Baseball team, you can check the O score at betonline.net, but you can also get the lines, get the odds, you can get player news, injury news, you can listen to podcasts there, all of that throughout the MLB season. And, of course, they've got the other sports going on this summer as well. MMA, boxing, UFC. You've, you've got golf every weekend as well. The Open Championship is this weekend. Get all the lines and odds over at betonline.net. It, it is truly your one-stop shop. They've got live streams. They've got eSports, live betting, really everything at betonline.net. So head to the website or use your mobile device right now to see all the trends, see all the action at betonline.net, where the game starts. So we're here with Arm Layton of just baseball media, and we're talking, you know, what the O's could potentially do at the deadline. And we kind of got to a good point here where, you know, you should trade some of these prospects if you're going to get legitimate, established big leaguers who are going to help you for past this year. And you brought up a great point, which transitioned me into the last thing I wanted to talk about here is that the draft comes up on Sunday. The Orioles have four of the top 67 picks. If you hit right, in four of the top 67 picks, you've got, you know, maybe in the Orioles preseason prospect rankings next year, that's four of your top 10 prospects if you do this right in this draft. And it includes, of course, the number one overall pick on Sunday, who, you know, pretty much every year, the number one overall pick is immediately slotted into the top 100. You've got another top 100 prospect. So the question goes to you, Aram. I know you guys put out your, your latest muck draft. You know, we have talked about on this pod who it could be. Michael Elias has said it's down to about five players. Who do you think the O's take with that number one pick on Sunday? Yeah, so we just put out our, our mock and just baseball.com. And, you know, I, I reached out to a lot of different people because, you know, it's just it's 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 a be- it's a best guess at the end of the day. And honestly, I was just trying to get more of an idea of is it Drew Jones or the field? What are you taking? And I got more answers of the field than I thought I would, which is exciting i love that uh i know orioles fans probably want some clarity but i just keep hearing jackson holiday jackson holiday jackson holiday and of course that's the son of matt holiday at the number one spot i don't think the orioles are drafting based on position uh and holiday just seems like arguably one of the safest bets high school wise in terms of he's gonna stick at shortstop can hit for some power definitely hit for average he's a good runner i'm hearing more and more of holiday at one if if i were a betting man i i'd probably say that I think it's going to be holiday. But, of course, Drew Jones is, is somewhat still the industry expectation for the most part. Where are you leaning? So throughout the spring, 
as we were still kind of further out from this process, you know, the first name I had actually heard from Orioles people, and this was not a, the Orioles are targeting this guy to pick number one. This was a, the Orioles have gone to see many of these high school guys and they really like this guy. And that was Tamar Johnson. Now yeah. this was a couple of months ago, but I had heard that Michael Elias and staff were in love with that hit tool of Tamar Johnson oh, yeah. and just thought what a lot of scouts think is that, you know, who knows where he plays? Can he even stick at second? We hear those questions, you know, wasn't playing on a great high school team. You know, how much does that hurt or help his value? But at the end of the day, you know, the scouts that have said this could be like a next level hit tool that we haven't seen in a while. It sounded like the Orioles felt that way as well. Now, as we've gotten closer to the draft, he's had less and less helium for that number one pick. But I will say, it seems like he's a top five player in this draft. And if the O's want to go there, and because of, you know, kind of the, the you know, his loss of, of cachet, if they can get him to sign for six and a half million dollars with the number one pick, and you get a guy who still at one point was firmly in the running for the number one pick, you get a guy who many think could have a, you know, at the very least 70 plus hit tool, you know, and we, and we don't know what the other tools look like, but that's a good player to have in your lineup. And then you go to your 33rd and 42nd picks. There, I mean, there are so many college pitchers who either had injury or suspension or whatever it may be that took them from top 15 guys to around that 30 to 40 range. And if you can go pay a Connor Prelip type of guy, a Carson Wisenhunt type of guy, whoever it may be, Peyton Paulette would be awesome. Peyton Paulette type of guy who got hurt or got suspended. Al Kumar. <laughs> I don't know if he'll get to 33, but that <laughs> could be enough it. money, bro. You know, that I, could that, be it. So that's the I, Orioles' mo, right? I mean, that's been the underslot out of the gate, and with the four picks. I would like it. Brooks Lee, yeah, that could be an underspot guy too. Yeah, I love and, and, Lee. and it seems like if they're going to go college, they like Brooks Lee. Uh, we had Joe Doyle on this podcast on Tuesday, and, and he mentioned Kevin Parada is still not out of the mix for the Orioles oh. as well. If they wanted to go underslot and they just really like his bat that much, and he'll take even less than a guy like Jamar Johnson would. And that's the thing, you know, the O's, I think, especially after acquiring that pick from Miami, are really looking at this like we could make out incredibly well in those next three picks at 33, 42, and 67 if there is some money to be spent. And if it's Tamar Johnson, listen, I love Drew Jones, but I think Tamar Johnson could be a really good player. And if they're going to get him number one and save $2 million maybe, I think that could be worth it. I think, you know, if you made me blurt out the name right now, I think they're just going to end up taking Jones I think they'll get him to take a little under slot, not a lot, three, four hundred thousand, save a little bit of money. It's still more than Arizona could give him. I think that's what would end up happening. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's Holiday, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's Johnson. And to be quite honest with you, I wouldn't be surprised if they took another college bat. I think that's what makes this so interesting, is because I think most people agree that Drew Jones is the best player in the draft, but. It's not clear-cut Rutschman-Witt year where it was you either take Adley or you take Bobby Witt. The Orioles liked Adley more. They took him. That's not what's happening right here three years later. And so, you know, there's a, there's a good podcast on The Verge that covers all things Orioles minor leagues. And, and one of their hosts, Nick Stevens, talked about on their last episode, basically said, 
you know, it, it's so cool that there's so many options, but he's almost like, I just want the draft to be over so I can see who the Orioles picked at number one because he felt like most other teams that pick number one, you have a better idea at this point who's being oh, picked. Yeah. And we just don't know. And so it's almost like, just get me to seven o'clock on Sunday so we can see whose name gets called. I, I agree. Were you expecting Curse Dad uh, back in 2020? No, and no one not was. All, right? I, and, it, and it's not like they were like, oh, you know, Curse Dad's in the mix, maybe. He was completely off the board. It was out of nowhere. And that's why I'm nervous. I'm like, what are they going to do here? The last thing I'll say, though, is if the draft goes exactly the way the O's want it to go, like the way they have it mapped out and they get their guys, I wonder if that makes them more comfortable to potentially make a trade. Yep. And, and I wonder, that's why I love, you know, the draft kind of leads into the deadline. It's, it's a great couple of weeks we have coming up here. If it goes the way they want it to and they feel like they got two first round guys, maybe they'll be a little bit more comfortable giving up a couple prospects. At the time. I mean, there's a chance they get three first round talents because they're picking at 42. And if one of those injured guys, you know, falls to 42 as well and they've saved some money, if you get three first round talents in one draft. I think you're okay if you can get a really impact starting pitcher to move a Jordan Westberg type of player. I agree 100%. It could get really, really interesting. But Arm, thank you so much for joining us once again. Great conversation because, listen, the draft was going to be interesting whether the Orioles had 20 wins or 45 wins right now, but they have 45 wins. They're two games out of a playoff spot. They've won 10 in a row, and they are making things so much more interesting with the draft and the trade deadline all coming up very, very soon here. It's going to be really, really interesting. The Blue Jays just fired their manager because they looked in the rearview mirror and the Orioles were right there. And uh, that was getting a little uncomfortable up in Toronto. But uh, we thank you again, Aram, for joining us. Uh, let everybody know uh, over at Just Baseball if you guys got some content planned for the draft or for the deadline yeah. coming up or whatever it may be that people can check out. Yeah, thanks so much. So we have the full first round mock draft at JustBaseball.com, which you can check out. And um, we also have some compensation round uh, stuff in there as well. So you can see some more Orioles picks there and, and how we think they might go. And then also a lot of deadline coverage as well to, to look out for there. We just dropped top 20 uh, trade deadline targets and we'll be covering it through the whole uh, deadline time th through the end of the month as well. So uh, thanks so much for having me on, man. Always a lot of fun. I'm excited to see your reaction to this draft. I'll be keeping tabs on Twitter because it's going to be a fun time for you. I know over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, next week on the pod is going to be really fun. And we'll be back with you on Monday here on the podcast. We thank Arm Layton for joining us once again. Monday's episode, we'll talk a little bit about the draft Sunday night, but we'll mostly recap Orioles and Ray as a three-game series. Hopefully I'm talking about a 13-game winning streak. We get back with you on Monday. And then all next week is going to be a whole lot of draft coverage to see who the Orioles bring into this system to strengthen even further one of the top systems in baseball. But that starts back here on the podcast on Monday. Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team 